and welcome to Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. I am your host, Ben Kay. We are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions. And today's question is, how many white writers does it take uh, to write a musical that is uh, purportedly about civil rights. And I'm just g- going to give an answer right off the bat. <laughs> Too many. <laughs> Too goddamn many. <laughs> More than one, apparently. Goddamn many. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm just going to leave. I'm going to throw us right into the deep end oh, uh, on this episode. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was trying to find every way of being polite about this movie. And this musical. No, 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 it's okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. No, this is our our guest who I've not even introduced yet. No, we are, (laughs) we are, we're a, like I said, we're a podcast about questions. We are an introspective podcast. We are here to dig into these shows potentially like they have never been done to before. That is why we are here. We do not hold back. We are not precious (laughs) uh, for the most part. I hate most of them. (laughs) <laughs> I do love working with people again, who hate musicals. It is quite fun. Yeah. Go ahead, Ben. I was in musicals for like almost 10 years, like as a job, and I still hate it's them. It's very so. easy to hate uh, musicals. I Sorry, love musical. I love No, 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 you're so good. I love musicals, but I'm just an inherently critical and curious person. I just don't take things at face value, which is hilarious mm-hmm. because musical theater is such an earnest art form <laughs> so, so i am and to be clear i like the art form mm-hmm. i just hate most musicals mm-hmm. well i mean most, most of the individual ones are bad is, it, is are. that sort of just like a rule just like most art is bad you know that's sort and of just like an inherent really... most of them don't cost 30 million dollars yeah and... all right yeah. okay we okay we gotta we gotta start the actual <laughs> episode um as always <laughs> here is our wonderful producer brand moorhead hi bran Hello, hello. And Finally sunny in Chicago. Sunny, sunny, sunny Chicago and sunny, sunny New York for yeah. our guest today. Uh, she is a wonderful human being. She is a theater director and a dramaturg and a teaching artist who spends her time uh, between New York and Chicago. Um, she has directed uh, world premieres, regional premieres, just everything under the sun. Um, she's just a all-around great person. The wonderful Chica Ike is here today. Aw, thank you, Ben. I'm really happy to be here. <laughs> uh, I'm currently in Brooklyn, but I'm, you know, jumping in between. And Ben has been um, a huge part of my life for, like, years and years. And I'm so happy to be in the space with him, doing what we always do. We, we always end up doing talking theater and talking musicals and talking about movies. Um, I hope this is this is very much like the, the Nexus and or Tony winner from every year starting from 1960 as he does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> very much the Nexus. This is very um, much like the the. I don't know this. This feels like a a great place for us to. Yeah, this is this is very much just like like most of our conversations. You're absolutely right. Almost all of them, um, and you just put a recorder with us, so that's great. <laughs> yes, just I just, I just placed a microphone. And so that's just great. That's easy. <laughs> yeah. We just place a microphone in front and just and said, here we go. All right, that was awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
I, oh even, I haven't even said Edit. what we're talking about. <laughs> I haven't even said what we're talking about today. Um, we are, of course, today uh, talking about the 1988 film Hairspray, directed by John Waters, and its subsequent musical theatre adaptation, Hairspray, the 2002 musical, uh, with a book by Mark O'Donnell and Thomas Meehan, music by Mark Shaman, and lyrics by Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. Uh, it is... There's so much to dig into, and there's so many sort of like iconic figures involved in both of these... Uh, both of these pieces of art. Um, I don't want to dig too much into the musical, but I will sort of, I, I do sometimes like to pin my own personal thesis at the top of each episode. Mm-hmm. I, I am, I'm just like, I'm, I'm figuring out how to say this. Uh, you know, <laughs> what's it called? John Waters. I guess mm-hmm. this is a good place to start. John Waters. <laughs> Is Always. maybe like one of my and, and and I'm kind of a John Waters neophyte, honestly. I've only seen two of his films. I've only seen this and Polyester, which is its own brand of insanity. Yeah. Um, have you have you seen Polyester, Chica? I haven't seen any John Waters movies. Um, that's one of the reasons I chose Hairspray, so I can finally dip my toe into the John Waters pool that I feel like every theater person in my life has. <laughs> has extensive knowledge of John Waters. So I am just as much of a baby, if not more so than you. I'm an embryo, in fact. Hell yes. <laughs> he is, I mean, he's the king of camp. He's the king of trash. He is the king of mm-hmm. uh, ridiculous, transgressive cult cinema of the primarily the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s and early 80s. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, like, Oops. it's so funny. My introduction to John Waters was through The Simpsons when he guest starred as John on The Simpsons uh-huh. in the episode Homer's Phobia, um, which is uh, very yeah. <laughs> kind of, kind of, no, it's still funny, but it's like, uh, it's an interesting thing to watch in the present day um, as, you know, mm-hmm. as most 90s television was grappling with uh, homosexuality in its very stunted, awkward, uh, oh, mildly yes, offensive way. Um, uh. But either way, I feel like John Waters, uh, whether you know him or whether you're a neophyte mm, like fight, ourselves, fight, fight, fight. Uh, at least myself and Chica, I guess, Bran, Bran, how much of a John Waters human are you? Uh, uh, I, well, I aspire to be one of his characters, but uh, <laughs> uh, I would say uh, I had seen this movie in college. I also saw Crybaby in college, which I'm sort mm-hmm. of amazed, Ben, that you have not seen I know. that I know. crazy movie. Um, and I've seen like, I don't know, I feel like there were, there was like a bunch of like parts of Plink Flamingos mm-hmm. around that time were just like big on the internet like that. I, I think the first thing I think of when I think of John Waters, um, is that image of Divine in the red dress holding the gun mm-hmm. towards the yep. camera with like the high pony yes. and the, the, all the eye, you know, like, I feel like I knew who Divine was before I yeah. knew about uh, that person being a character in John Waters, like cinema, but this one and um, yeah, Crybaby. I've seen parts of Polyester, but not uh, not a huge student Mm-mm. fan, but not a student for yeah. sure. So yeah, so that is I mean, that is to say Baby. that we are all. The- 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I need to. That is, and that's, I mean, that's that's another one that we're going to cover because they also adapted that into a musical, which I'm sure mm. we'll talk a little bit about, mm. but I don't want to get too much oh, into because it is its own episode. Um, may that as it Spoilers. be. Uh, <laughs> uh, may that as it be. Be that as it may. Uh, I feel like even not knowing a lot of John Waters' work, like we know sort of the signifiers, and especially after mm. watching Hairspray, we sort of stylistically and aesthetically know sort of what it, what makes a John Waters film a John Waters film. The level mm-hmm. of, I mean, it's camp. It is, as as he says on The Simpsons, as John Waters says on The, Sen- on the Simpsons, the tragically ludicrous, the ludicrously tragic. It is that most ridiculous thing that takes itself so seriously. Um, and vice versa. That most yeah. terrible thing that is played to the biggest, uh, to the biggest laugh in the house. Um, so <laughs> what I I want to talk about, and we'll, once we'll, we'll get into this in the second half of the episode, but I really want to focus on how, in my opinion, the John Waters style is kind of half-arsed slash abandoned in adaptation. There is so much of Hairspray the Musical that does not feel camp enough, that does not feel no. dirty enough, that does not feel even and even with Hairspray being like his first like PG film, even being like a lighter film in the John Waters filmography, it just it, it seems to lose that transgressive nature in translation. And that's kind of what I want the focus of this episode to be on. And not nearly as gay. Like, sure. Yeah. It's crazy how <laughs> the edges have been rounded off so much of the musical adaptation where the where like that's what I wanted to say. Like I feel like before I even knew a lot of John Waters movies, mm-hmm. I knew of him as like gay iconic filmmaker and yeah. so important. Like despite having Harvey Firestein as Edna. Like despite having someone who's entire like it despite it, it felt less like the, something about the joke died when with that translation, like especially if the, I mean, like we're not even going to get into the movie and John Travolta because I still am traumatized from no, watching no. it last we, night. We, and that's the thing. But, I want like, I want folks to know, like <laughs> we will we will cut we will likely cover the 2007 film on a Patreon episode, unfortunately ooh. and or fortunately. Um, but like our our main focus Maybe is on our the, first one. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, it's true. Uh, we are mainly focusing on the stage adaptation. So we're not going to talk mm-hmm. about uh, Leslie Dixon's, uh, as she described it, In she's the woman who was credited. It actually is, 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 let me, I just want to double check this. Um, Leslie Dixon, mm-hmm. uh, who did the uh, film adaptation, said that they purposefully wanted to decamp the stage show and I'm like, that is the thing. <laughs> That's how, that why would no you want to take the camp out of a Waters product project? Ah, it's very strange. That's um, like, why would you? Yeah, do we're, a we're water, t- I mean, we can go into a bigger conversation about how backwards <laughs> as Broadway is, um, which is the reason that musicals suck. But we won't get into that <laughs> yet. Part two, coming. Um, yeah, no. <sighs> this will be felt... a two-part episode. Sure. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm not John um, John Waters. Um the king like, like mm-hmm. I said, King of Trash Cinema, King of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure like most mm-hmm. to all of uh 
most or all of his films take place in Baltimore, um, which is lovely, which is great. Um, uh-huh. film, yeah, you've probably heard of his films, like uh, Pink, Pink Flamingos, which is the one where Divine uh, famously eats uh, dog shit. Um, it has, uh, God, one of my favorite... And there's that meme, I think, that's been going around where like someone is interviewing Divine's mm-hmm. character in the film and they're like, explain your politics. And, and she's like, kill everyone! Uh, legalize yeah. murder! <laughs> Filth is my politics! Filth <laughs> is my life! And it's a great... I mean, it's a great fuck. And first of all, hard agree. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Right with you, Divine. Um... And but then yeah, it's just again, it's just like that ridiculousness. The, again, there's the taking something so ridiculous so seriously that I love. Pol- Polyester is a beautiful film. I think it is a it's a parody of du- Douglas Sirk dramas, like about like a a battered housewife trying to escape from a loveless uh, marriage, and it's just so ludicrous and so bananas and divine. Uh, plays the lead. Um, God, what uh, Francine Fishpaw, um, who is a woman with a heightened sense of smell, who is trying to escape from a loveless marriage. Um, the film and what John Waters did. Uh, people who went to see the movie, they got a scratch and sniff card, and you would like scratch it along with the film, but they would like Aww. trick you into like. Uh, smelling these like gross odors, so there'd be a scene of like divine with her like new love in a in a field, and she's like, "Oh, the roses smell so beautiful!" But then it like cuts right away to like a skunk. So the thing that you're scratching and sniffing uh, is a skunk, um, which you know hilarious. <laughs> That's comedy. Um, and the the Criterion edition uh, of the of the film comes with a scratch and sniff card as well. So when <laughs> when we watched it at home, uh, we were able to play along. Um, but so that's 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 the only other John Waters film I've seen. Uh, but yes, uh, Pink Flamingos, Female Trouble, uh, Multiple Maniacs. Um, yeah, like Brandy said before, Cry Baby. Um, his final film, uh, he at least to date, um, he's uh, thankfully still with us. Uh, his most recent film was A Dirty Shame, which was made in 2004. Um, it stars Tracy Ullman, Johnny Knoxville, Selma Blair. Uh, I have not seen it. Um, and I think he's, I mean, he's gone on record just being like, the, you you can't really make these kinds of movies for like $5 million. Like the... The yeah. industry of making these kinds of movies, just that pipeline doesn't exist anymore. So he's just, I think he's just touring. I know he's written some like nonfiction books. Um, he's just like mm-hmm. hanging out, being John Waters, um, which is fine with me. I mean, he's, again, I, I don't think, unfortunately, the, 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 the culture has, has moved on. And I don't say that in a good way. I think that he just, he, yeah. he made his move. He made his movies in the moments that they were best suited for. Um, but Hairspray, yes. which is, uh, Hairspray, which <laughs> is, uh, Hairspray. like, a th- yeah. So, Ch- uh, Chica and Bran, uh, Bran, you said you'd seen this in college. Yeah. Uh, this, this film. Yes. Uh, I think it was like when, I don't really remember when the musical came out. What year was uh, that? 2002. 2002. Okay, cool. So yeah, 
I think it was like being exposed to that soundtrack while being in, in I went to a very small high school uh, and I went to state college, but so I was not exposed to a lot of musical theater other than like the classics Same. until I was in school with people who were nerds about it. And um, sure. uh, I don't know how else to say it. Uh, musical theater nerds, <laughs> MTN, baby. Um, hashtag MTM tweeted at us at Movie the Musical Podcast. And, why? Uh, why? Why not? Uh, um, so, and I think it was like, oh, this is cool. And then I knew that the movie, uh, adaptation was supposed to come out and I was like, well, what's this John Waters guy? And Crybaby like somehow made the rounds. Like, I think it was on Netflix or something. And me and my, um, like B movie obsessed, uh, and musical theater obsessed, like best friends were like, whoa, young, hot Johnny Depp in this insane film. (laughs) Yeah. Let's watch, let's get high and watch this for sure. Uh, and then I went to Hairspray after that. But mm. I feel like there was a moment in the early 2000s when everyone went through all of the Johnny Depp categories, like all of the early 90s Johnny Depp and be like, hey, kids, if you like him as a pirate, see him as a man with scissor hands. Um, and <laughs> so that's how I heard. Of, that was the first time I'd heard about John Waters because I, like Bran, went to a very I went to uh, a relatively small high school and like. Even in college, I don't feel like I knew as much as like now my friends who go to NYU, who went to NYU did. Um, so yeah. I was also, I also felt like a little bit behind in terms of like catching up to the current musical theater. Um, but mm-hmm. I found, I found John Waters through Pirates of the Caribbean, as one does. <laughs> As one does, but I you didn't know, finish Crybaby sure. because I didn't understand it because I was like 13, 14 or something. And I was like, what is this? It's weird. I don't understand it. Disney, give me Disney. Now I look back and wonder at myself. <laughs> I cry at my youth. You got your, it's a monkey's paw wish right there. <laughs> don't worry. You've got plenty of Disney now. Oh, uh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're not only getting your Disney Renaissance films. You're getting your live-action remakes of Disney, Ren- Disney Renaissance films. You're getting your uh, Disney Plus TV shows based off of their recent hits. Just get it all. Why not have all of the content? And then on top of it, it like the mouse in the state. You know, the mouse is in your sports. The mouse is in your comic books. The mouse is everywhere. Um. Coming for you. It feels very Orwellian now that I say that loud, but that's not the point. (laughs) He's listening right now. But so, okay, Um, so hairspray. So, so, and then, so it's it's actually really funny because I. John Waters. Uh, John Waters, Hairspray, 1988. Um, It's so fascinating because usually what we like to do is we go through the plot of the movie. and it's usually like, oh, well, usually mm-hmm. the musical has a pretty similar plot. So, like, we don't really have to, like, go over the plot t- uh, twice. But they actually do. There are quite a few uh, divergences that they make. There are quite a few differences between the film uh, and the musical. So, mm-hmm. they actually, and I feel yes. like they actually simplify things in the musical, which is, I don't know, maybe maybe that's good. I, don't, I mean, obviously, the ending for sure. Shocker. The musical's got so yeah, but like, flattened. I mean, just but I like, I know, I know. They flatten more, things it out. It gives more to the mom, you know. The move, the musical does give a little more to Edna than the movie does. That's it true. But, does. Okay, uh, and so we'll let's so that. let's start with this. We'll because I'm reaching here. I'm reaching. We're trying. You should so, say something. Else. So, so this was control. this was. Devo- <laughs> 
My God, I'm trying. I'm losing it. I'm sorry. Uh, this was Divine's. Uh, you're so good. This was Divine's final uh, John Waters film uh, before before oh. he passed away. Uh, unfortunately, um, it was very sad. Um, and it's uh, yeah, I think and uh, yeah. So uh, Divine uh, is a drag drag performer. So that's why I'm I'm mainly using she pronouns uh, because uh, Divine mainly played female characters. Uh, she, here she plays uh, Edna Turnblad. Uh, the mother of our protagonist, uh, Tracy Turnblad, uh, teenage young teenage girl, uh, played by Ricky Lake. Um, very fun performance. I think she's very fun in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, has some great energy. Has some great great dancer. A lot of she's got moves. There's that like oh, there's that scene where like they go to like the the dance contest like at the the I don't know if they call it the eventatorium in the in the movie but I think that's what they refer to it as in the musical I think they call it they call a sock hop or something I forget Yeah whatever but she's got some oh. moves Tracy Turnblad she's a big fan of the mm-hmm. Corny Collins show which is a mm-hmm. local uh it's a it's a Baltimore based like dance show they got teenagers uh the the council mm-hmm. members they call them um and I guess you know it's I I I'm I'm not I I was not familiar with like shows that were just like people dancing to the hits of today. I guess it's kind of like an early like TLC kind of thing. Soul if Train, you will. Except TRL, right. TRL, like yeah, yeah. American Bandstand. Uh, yeah, directly. It's actually like I. But that's more about the music. Yeah, I found yeah. out it's it was based on like a real thing. Like they had a local show that was all about like here kids dancing, a la Mickey Mouse. Oh my god. But it's like based. Yeah, like Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah. Of, yeah. I can't remember the name of the show, but it was like based off of a historical thing that happened local and local. For sure. Well, and I guess well, and, yeah. and I, well, we we should say as well that the film is the film takes place in 1962, so it is very much a uh, 60s era pastiche <laughs> film. Um. Uh, yeah, and especially early 60s. You know, that it's it's that time where mm-hmm. uh, America. Is try and especially white America is trying to retain the quote unquote family values of the 1950s um, and trying to mm-hmm. not reckon with uh, the changing tide of hey white people stop being racist now of the of the 1960s. <laughs> what if we uh, stopped? Yes. <laughs> what if we stop being? What if we uh... didn't? <laughs> Hey, what if what if we stopped? Uh, wouldn't that be great? Um, How's that I, working I, out sixty years later? Yeah, it was like, what if we followed the Supreme <laughs> Court and you know the president who both said, "Hey, let's not let's you know desegregate, integrate." Is that an no? We don't want to do that. Um, I don't know what to say. <laughs> that was essentially the United States government and all of the states and. Uh, I have feelings, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> Sorry, I, also um, took, like, I do. I do so like the modern op- history. <laughs> I do like the opening song, which I believe is entitled "Hairspray." It's playing just like an opening montage mm-hmm. of like kids hanging out at the Corley Collins show. There's this like one girl who's like just like got a can of hairspray, uh, spraying her hair for what's like a good thirty seconds, uh, which is a very funny image. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, we, we sort of, we get a good handle on the film's characters. There is Amber Von Tussle, mm-hmm. uh, played, of course, by Vitamin C. Mind-blowing when I realized that last <laughs> Oh, wait till we get to her <laughs> That's mother. the biggest one. Yeah, wait till we get to her mother oh, is, yeah. and her father. 
Ah. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course, her, her, her dad, of course, is Sonny Bono. <laughs> I mean, because why wouldn't it? It is, it is kind of wild, the, the cast of this film. Uh, and then uh, the, yeah, the mother is yeah. Debbie Harry. Yeah. Blondie. Blondie herself. <laughs> Blondie. Just a cavalcade. It's wild of, how much... Yeah. Uh, I know we're not talking about the new movie, but like it's wild how much... Um, Michelle Pfeiffer looks like Debbie Harry in Very this true. movie specifically. It is actually yes. that it did terrify me when I watched this movie the other day. I was like, why did they did they do that on that hurts on casting? Um and yet, <laughs> like looking at other pictures of Debbie Harry, I'm like, and yet this doesn't work. Anyway, also Josh Charles is randomly <laughs> in it, and that freaked me the fuck out. Anyway, wait, continue. Wait, who, 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 oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Josh he's Charles from he's, yeah, he's yes. a councilman. I, yeah, I was saying he oh, freaks yeah. me out because I'm like, the fuck is he doing? He's alive. Yeah, well, yeah he's uh, he's like 18. Ba- he's barely. He's no, he's like 17 in this film. That just freaks me out. And his and he's um, of course his the, character's name. His character's Iggy. name is Iggy. Yeah. Iggy. I love the silly names that they come up with. What a fun time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so Tracy. Um, uh, and, and and so Tracy wants to be on the Corny Collins show. Um, mm-hmm. but also like most of America, like back in the sixties and still today, it's a very fat phobic society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're like, Tracy, you can't be on the show. You are not a, uh, clothes. You are not a hat rack. <laughs> um, how dare you try and be on this television show? Oh, and also her dad is of course played by Jerry Stiller, uh, the late great Jerry Stiller, uh, as Wilbur Turnblad, owner of the, the Ha Ha Hut. Uh, which is the joke store that they live above. Um, what, again, it's just like, water's just like it's throwing no shit against the wall. Give it a pu- pu- plug. <laughs> I like that line reading a lot. That was great. He's pretty much, I mean, he, I mean, he's just, I mean, he's just playing Jerry Stiller. I feel like, yes. um, he's just like every character of his character is the same. he's ever played. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, I can't tell um, the difference yeah, between I, that I, and Zoolander. <laughs> exactly. Zoolander, Frank, uh, Frank Stanza, they're all the same. Uh, I do like uh, Divine's line reading of, can you keep that racket down? I'm trying to iron in here. That feels just like an iconic line reading. Uh-huh. And I kind of wish they didn't even try to emulate that in the stage show. I was just like, leave that line in the film. You're never going to be able to do it justice. Uh, Divine owns that in to the grave. Um but yeah, so you have Amber Von Tussle, who mm-hmm. is sort of like the lead, like blonde girl on the Corny Collins show. She's dating Link, who's a heartthrob. So, so we are told. I mean, he's very. He looks like Elvis. He looks yes. exactly like Elvis. Exactly like young Elvis. Flat face <laughs> and all. Yes. Um, her mother is uh, Vel- Velma Von Tussle, who we said is played by Derry Harry. Um, who was once Ms. Soft Crab, which I think is a very just fun... <laughs> they, they changed that to Miss Baltimore Crabs, which is whatever. I like Miss Soft Crab. It's very silly. Miss Soft Crab is so... It just makes no sense that you would hold on to this title. And, um... <laughs> or that you would grab the title when it was offered to you, because, yes, that is that is a disease. Or an entree. It's a disease and an entree at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, there's, like we said, there is a big sock hop, sock hop event. It's judged by uh, Motormouth Maybell, 
uh, who is the host of... So, yeah, so only once a month on the Corny Collins show, there is Negro Day, where where they they actually let the black kids dance. Who are better dancers, as always. But, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Uh, Moda Mathme Bell is played by Ruth Brown, uh, the, the queen of R&B. Mm-hmm. Um, she is great in this film. Mm-hmm. Very good. We love her. She doesn't. She doesn't rhyme in this film, right? Every no. line of dialogue of hers does not rhyme. Is that correct? I am convinced because yeah. it sounds like it's trying to rhyme, and so it kept throwing me off about like that doesn't. Is she what? What's happening? We'll get into this, but I yes, it was very off. Right, because I feel like you know it'd be it'd be a weird choice to make your uh uh, uh black female character uh speak in rhyme for the duration of your show. I feel like that'd be a, a, a poor choice, yes? I would... Yeah, I, we'll get into this, but yes, I concur. <laughs> <laughs> I always took it, in the movie at least, I took it as, like, that's her radio personality, and she's just always on. And so, like, she's always got, like... That's just how she talks on the radio and to the kids. Now, maybe I'm, once again, just being generous, but that's how I always took it. It was like, that's her radio persona. I Yes. Sure. yes. A poet. We will get, I mean, we will get into it. I just had some questions about her character in general, about like what they were trying to do with her. And so it's, and it's, that, she just kind of, she came in the middle, like she was in the middle of it. Like she gave off the person. We'll get into this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, I don't want to do musical talk, right? Like a lot of it, but it's, just, I mean, obviously yeah, it's, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. It always, it always happens in these, in these episodes. Uh, you know, the film, the film is not purporting to be, mm-hmm. a, I mean, it's not earnestly being a statement. Of course, like it is making statements in just its own subject matter, but there is not a huge earnestness about its sort of uh, integration no. politics like there is in the musical. Um, yes. It's more of a backdrop. Yeah. It's like yeah. a backdrop for yeah. the story. Yes. Um, the movie almost has more to say about fat phobia than it does about like integration yes i would i would agree um but yes then we get to so uh tracy is officially oh, for uh, auditioning sure. for the corny collins show um and she's she, and uh, she's there with her she's auditioning with uh, mm-hmm. uh another uh, black uh with a black girl named nadine and then also with tracy's best friend uh penny uh played by uh i believe the actor's name is leslie and Powers plays uh, Penny Pingleton, who's always sucking on like a like a jawbreaker. Uh- <laughs> Not a fan of that choice. So gross. Her fingers must be so sticky. It's I know really it's very gross. gross. Um, I do like uh, I do like they like they do these like uh, pressure pressurized like. I don't want to be her friend. <laughs> you don't want to be Penny's friends, no. No, just because she just always looks sticky, and I can't be friends with someone who's past <laughs> 10 years old who's that, that sticky. Like, I just don't want that in my life. <laughs> she's just, she's a teenage, Insane she's a sticky teenager. Also. Yes, very strange hairdo. I love that hairdo. I want to try it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to no, try it with these like inter- they they interview yeah. each of the auditioners and I love or I think they like ask Nadine like um like Nadine Nadine like gives this answer she's like I I can dance to Lawrence Welk if I have to which I was like great <laughs> great line of dialogue very funny um but Tracy gets on the show she's part of the Corny Collins show good on her 
She's made it. Um, her her mom is her agent. Uh, Edna is her agent. Um, very funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, and there are, there are several lines that they pull right from the from the dialogue and turn into songs. There is literally a moment where Tracy comes home and she says, "I am big, blonde, and beautiful," which is a song. When she goes out shopping mm-hmm. with her mom, she says, "Mama, welcome to the '60s." That is a song. <laughs> you know, the whole ass song. So Tracy has this sort of big, voluptuous balloon of hair, and it gets her in trouble at school. She gets mm-hmm. sent to a uh, hair dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they say, like, her hair do is a hair don't. You know, fun bit of line. Uh, she, she's sent to special ed, which, again, they, they, use, they use the R word both in the film and in the stage show, which I'm not a huge It is in the show. I was trying to remember. It is in yeah, the show. it is. Uh, they, uh, it is. He- the early two thousands were not the were not the times that they are now. Yeah, they, they just weren't great for anything. I guess uh, <laughs> maybe they are still the times they are now. I can't tell. Uh, <laughs> they weren't great for anything. Um, not jeans but, and I, not I, yeah, was, but yes, I will say were, in in the hair in the hairspray world of uh, both uh, the film and the musical, it seems like special ed is mainly just a place to house uh, delinquents. Uh, and the black students. Uh, yes. But this is where she, this is where she meets Seaweed, who is the son of Mona Mathe Bell. Mm-hmm. And so they 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 hit it off and they are like, let's go to let's go to like the let's go to like our neighborhood uh, and we'll go to the record store where um, where Maybell is. Um, so Tracy, Penny, Link goes with them, right? They all go to the record store together. Yep. Yeah, um, I do, and then we get this like great. Se- oh yeah, so uh, Penny's mother is uh, insane. She is an insane uh, middle-aged white woman. Uh, she is uh, freaking out, and I. Le- we would probably call her a Karen. We days. would. She's like one would call her. Karen. A- <laughs> I mean, she's a prudy. That's what she is. <laughs> she is she's literally a prudy. She's a prudy. Um, like, I she's, do- she's a new level. She's like um, yeah, I she's do. like the Megan Kelly. She she would definitely pull her school kids out of school if they tried to do anything on critical race theory. She's that person. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, she's a, a Megan or a Prudy <laughs> or a Marjorie <laughs> or a Marge. Oh, oh, oh. Anyway. Uh, hot, oh, hot oh. takes. <laughs> Marjorie. Hot take, but am I Maybe wrong? Maybe a Tulsi on the other spectrum. Oh, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're absolutely not wrong. Um, but yeah, I do love the scene of like Penny's mom like freaking out in the black neighborhoods. <gasps> oh my god, the, she just she's like, hey, take my take, take it, she's take like, it, take my oh. whole wallet, and then he gives it back to her. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I'm not gonna take your whole fucking wallet. He just takes like five bucks, and he like, and he like gives it back to her, and she's shaking. And I feel like the entire neighborhood is laughing at her because I'm like, oh, this white woman is just at, is gonna piss the street, and I, I, I too would laugh. I too would laugh at you. Pretty funny. If you piss the street, she goes oh, to the God. cop car and leans in, and it's a black cop, and she like has a heart attack. Oh, so funny! I mean, to be that fair, I also fear the black cops, but you know, hot fair case. enough. Yes, yeah. yes. But in the context of this scene, pretty funny. Um, but yeah, so they continue. You know, yeah. I, I believe they try. 
uh, Penny uh, begins a, a romance with Seaweed, um, which obviously mm-hmm. Prudy, uh, both of both Penny's parents, uh, do not approve of. They try to uh, brainwash her back into liking white boys uh, with the assistance of John Waters as a psychiatrist. <laughs> It's pretty funny, pretty good cameo from John uh, with that with little that little spitting hypno disc. <laughs> um, I do like. There's the scene. I think that later like, shock therapy. Yes, exactly. Later shock therapy. Uh, white you know, black boys. <laughs> uh, it's very. It's, again, it's fucking oh. fucking weird. Zap. Zap. Uh, psychiatrist. I do like the scene of like the four of them like making out outside. I mean, uh, and uh, Tracy's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Chica. No, I was gonna say. I mean, that's what they do now when they don't when they don't like what you're what they don't like who you like. They're like zap therapy. Maybe not zap. Maybe zap. I don't know. That's a hot take. <laughs> well, it's still, take it into. It still exists. Still a thing. Does someone be like hot take, Chica? No. <laughs> it's still a good. We'll find um, out. But let's talk someone about will, someone, someone will write in. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, I do like the like the four the, the, the two couples are like making out and Tracy's like, oh, this is so romantic. And she like kicks a rat off of her shoe. <laughs> it's like it's like that, that kind random of guy just singing, walking down the street. Love that guy. Yeah. Random um, but then yeah, they they're they're running away because oh, they don't want to get caught. Scene. Um and then they like hide out with these uh, with these beatniks. Mm-hmm. Uh, played uh, the female beatnik is played by Pia Zadora. Pia Zadora. Um, the male uh, beatnik is uh, Rick Okasek, um, who I believe is the lead uh, vocalist for the band The Cause. Oh, I know. They, they, I believe they are listed as they are listed as special appearances yeah. uh, in the film. Oh, and then I will say, Divine also plays uh, the. Uh, owner of the TV station, uh, who is anti-racial uh, integration. Uh, the character's name, of course, Arvin Hodgepile. Yes. <laughs> great, great name. Um, I, there is, oh, uh, God, there's a moment where Link says, uh, it's, I think it's when they're making out and they're, like, fighting for integration in the Corny Colton show. Link says, um, our souls are black, even if our skin is white. Yes. <laughs> Which is, yes, like, Yes, he does. Yes, he does, Ben. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. What do you, what do you think yes, of that line, does. Chica? How does, yes, what, what do you think about that line, Chica? Well, well, Ben, I like anyone in musical theater and singing through my distraught moments. Um, so I'm just trying to sing my way through. <laughs> sing my way through this. Um, ha! In that moment, I knew what we were in for. I mean, like I've known what we were in for, but in that moment, I was like, "Oh, we're just going." say anything that comes out of our mouth aren't we in this movie um that's an inside <laughs> thought dearies inside thought in fact it shouldn't be an inside thought but I'll, I'll i will compromise and say that that's an inside thought i won't smack you for your inside thought quite yet but when it becomes an outside thought then i can smack you those are the rules like um like when uh like when peggy says that she's a checkerboard chick that too uh, Oh, Ben, like, oh, Ben, because <laughs> he is the Because I, like, I, well, well, I, I bet John Waters would, I mean, like, he could make the argument that, like, that, like, this, that's, like, part of the stupidity. It's part of the camp of yeah. it all. I, 
I, that's the thing that gets me is that it didn't, and maybe this is me not in 1988, because I also looked up like what other movies were happening in 1988, and like that Beetlejuice. came out, Beetlejuice came out. So it was like, it was such a wide range of like other things that I can't quite tell if this is just like not can't be enough for my, for my jaded cynical sure. mind, like missing something. Um, or if it just was like Brand said, like a moment where they're like, eh, it doesn't really matter. Um, I feel like this is, this is completely knowing on the part of John Waters. And maybe this is the problem with the adaptation is that the movie or the musical rather is treating that in earnest yeah. like like we were saying earlier That's like the they are not as in on the joke as john waters is putting that line in there not with like <clears throat> these characters are sincerely thinking that but like look at how stupid these white people are that they would even think and say something like this I, you know i would say yes but like in my life i'm like in my life my personal life I know so yeah. many of my friends who, like, at least early in our friendships or early in our acquaintanceships, like, who did, I could tell that that was an inside thought. That's where the compromise came in. Um, yeah. And so a part of me is like, so we just, we, some people are still just not getting the joke of it. And I'm being like ultra sensitive or something. So I can't, I can't tell. That's a moment that I'm like, I hope to God it's part of the camp joke. And I'm just like, not really in the mood for the joke. And, but I recognize yeah. that it could be a joke. I'm I'm hoping to God that like I'm erring on that side. I mean, Aaron. I mean, I mean I, 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 <laughs> errant. But and, and again, but it's also like you know, it, this is it is John Waters making this movie. Like obviously, right. like I feel like the the camp would maybe be easier to digest if it were a black filmmaker making this movie. Exactly. You know? So yeah, that's my thing. Is that like it would be different if this was like even or even like not even this is gonna sound real bad but even if it was like in that richard Pryor, um mel brooks lens i could the camp would play out better but there's just something about the and it could have just been an actor um but there's something about that delivery of the line that i was like i can't tell what you're trying to do um, well, you know, of I'm, those I'm, lines because she, I know Tracy also says something about like, oh God, I wish I had dark skin. I'm like, really? In the sixties? Yeah, she. she you want to have dark she, skin don't, in the sixties? All right. I think it is. It, if it's right before, I think it's literally right before Link says that is when uh, Tracy says, "I wish I had dark skin." Yeah. Uh, Chica, have oh, you seen yes, uh, Hollywood Shuffle? I have not. I'm, yes. uh, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's it's actually it's the year before this, so it's uh, 1987. Mm. It's a uh, it's uh, mm. Robert Townsend, uh, mm. and it is sort of more in that. It's if you've ever seen that clip, it's like a oh god, what is it? it's? It's essentially like a sketch movie, uh, mm. all about like uh, this young black actor trying to go up against uh, the racism of Hollywood. Um, made in nineteen eighty seven, uh, mm. terribly. Most of it still holds up today. Of um, course. There's like a section all about like the black acting school, uh, where white key, where white coaches teach black actors how to act quote more black. Um, it's like and it's like it's clearly like a very satirical uh, film. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, and there's I will say it's a very a lot of a lot of homopho- just inherent homophobia in the film mm-hmm. because it was the late eighties. Um, mm-hmm. But out, outside of those garbage moments, it is a again, maybe a film where this kind of humor might have floated a little better because mm-hmm. it's through a black perspective, because it's through a black satirical perspective. Mm-hmm. 
Exactly. So I, I'm like, I'm, if, and we can get into it when we get, hit the musical, but I'm like, I, that was a moment I was like, ah, yes. A white creator made this. Yeah. Do I for am I in the am I in the mood to forgive? And by God, this last year I have not been. Yeah, I just I think it's fair. I think that's, I think that's more than fair. Burn it down. No, um, please, no one, <laughs> no one from the John Waters uh, fan club, please come after me because I am <laughs> not going outside right now. And when I do go outside, I just will not be in the mood to fight. Yeah, I. I mean, or maybe I will be. I, I don't know. Right. You will. You will Who lose. Knows? <laughs> Better hope. I, I love a challenge. Um, <laughs> and also, just to just to just to say where sort of I feel John Waters uh, falls on this film. Uh, mm. He said that his favorite review of Hairspray, the this film, the original, uh, was a, a review from Rolling Stone, uh, written by David Edelstein, who described it as a family movie that both the Bradys. And the Mansons could adore. So that's yeah, that's, that's an awesome review. That is a fantastic yes. review. <laughs> so wow. that's and he's like that kind of sums up what I wanted this movie to be. And I'm like that's I I'm like if you're looking at looking at it through that lens, I mean I feel like that's how a lot of his movies are. They're like they try to be this like combination of wholesome and and twisted, um, mm-hmm. and you can definitely feel that. And maybe it maybe just airs a little more on the side of wholesome than twisted. I don't know. Um, either way. Yeah, yeah. Sliding scale. It's a spectrum as if it's you will. Um, uh, there is a protest at the segregated theme park, Tilted Acres. Uh, oh, all hell breaks by, loose. Owned by the Von Tussles? I believe so. Yes. I believe the Von Tussles own this theme park. They say segregation now, segregation forever. Um, literally shut the fuck up. Sonny Bono, what are you doing? Uh, go skiing, Sonny. Yeah, go ski. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so then the police, uh, the, uh, Tracy Turnblad uh, screams police brutality. Uh, Tracy Turnblad, a cab. She knows what's what. Uh, <laughs> she gets sent. She gets sent to prison. Um, I love her making <laughs> out. Reform school. Reform yeah, school. I, I love her. Um, oh yeah, I love her making talk- out with the TV. Oh, that was disturbing. <laughs> but can we talk that about shot from inside the TV? Is great. That was fantastic. Yeah. But uh, can we talk about the moment? My favorite moment in the entire film was um, Link getting in the theme in the park when the when the riot breaks out. What a sentence! Um, but um, Link <laughs> gets. <laughs> Link gets hit in. I don't even know who anyone cited yeah. anymore, but Link gets hit both with, in both knees, and he just goes down like the paperweight. <laughs> like he just oh, goes down, like grabbing his knees. That's so funny. To and me. he's like, also the like, lady that hits him is just like macing her, like swinging her purse like it's a medieval mace, and I fighting Tracy. Too. So good. As as every purse should be, quite honestly. Like now I'm now I'm debating what I should put in my purse to be able to just destroy a kneecap. But he going down like a paperweight, and then he's like crawling like yes. towards, <laughs> yeah. towards Bubba. He's gonna reach. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the drama? And he's yelling like Tracy, and then like there's like the iris closing on him. <laughs> Yeah, weird spotlight wipe to go into the next scene. I love that. Oh, it's great. And then, like, even throughout the rest of the movie, anytime I look at Link, I'm just like, you cannot save me from disaster. I can't have you as a man. 
Um, <laughs> and like, and like he's in a he's in a wheelchair for most of the auto show section, but then he's like all better by the like, by like the end of the movie. <laughs> no, he's whenever and Tracy like, walks in, it's like a miracle. He grabs his legs and stands up. Yeah, like, I'm healed. My love has returned. Oh God, the horror. But yes, oh, I just it's very silly. That was, yes, I, I actually went back and rewound it. I loved it. <laughs> anyway, continue. But yes, I so there's an auto to, show and there's that? a big, there's a big, there's a big like beauty show at the auto show to see who will be Miss Auto Show 1963. Um, to ensure mm-hmm. that things go off without a hitch, um, uh, Sonny Bono, I forget the character's name and I can't be bothered to look it up. Uh, he puts a bomb Daddy, Daddy inside Tussle. of... Thank, Daddy Von Tussle, sure. Uh, puts a bomb what in a Velma's name. wig. Mm-hmm. So cool. God, it's a, yeah, it's a great contraption. Just like the clo- yeah. the the clock bomb, just going in the giant wig. Keep that for the stage adaptation. Door closing. Yeah. Why didn't they? That was amazing. Well, you know, bomb uh, the governor. Comes yeah, the governor. So, yeah, the governor comes in, uh, and then Maybell handcuffs herself to the governor so that he'll pardon Tracy and Lil Inez. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I like I like that Maybell and Lil Inez uh, have some agency in the plots. Yeah, in the third act of this film, <laughs> like they actually mm-hmm. help the plot move Finally. along rather than just mm-hmm. being there. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But yes, mm-hmm. uh, the governor pawns Tracy. She's released. She has straightened hair now. Uh, whatever. Um, she gets she irons it in reform she, school. Yeah, oh, so, and so she I, learns from the beatniks. Yeah, the ironing is what's then. <laughs> there's a deleted scene uh where um i believe it is it's alluded to several times they say like oh tracy has roaches in her hair mm-hmm. and they like there's this yeah. like roach motif um i they believe there was a scene they cut where they actually did put roaches in her hair um i know it's fucking gross but yeah so that's why like ha- like they do this dance amber does this dance yeah 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 uh, but there's this like scene near the end, uh, yeah, where Amber like does a dance called like the Roach, I believe, um, and then like Tracy comes in in this dress that ha- that has bugs on it, that has roaches on it. She wins Miss Auto Show. The bomb goes off in Velma's hair, and they are thusly arrested. Um, and the film ends like all good films do, with Tracy Turnblad screaming, "Let's dance!" And then you get a nice little montage of the players of the film. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the tiny car that Amber Von Tussle <laughs> when she wins. It's like a Shriner mobile. Very good. <laughs> yeah. It's a good vehicle. Oh, uh, yeah. Good I, 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 I miss the I, It's a good vehicle. vehicles in the 60s. Yeah? No, want, I miss the No. No, I'm saying I miss the outlandish vehicles of the '60s. Good times. Do you times, want to bring them back? Um, maybe not the fully metal death trap frames, and I love seatbelts, <laughs> but four miles to the gallon, you know. Yeah, I mean, I just want the rocket ship car. <laughs> Give me a rocket Agreed. ship car, and a car that uh... I don't have to pretend to have anyone in. It's just me. There's only room for me. I don't have to give you uh... a ride. So Hairspray, is, I think, is a fun film in its own right. Yes. Even, like, separate from what was to come. Uh, it's a nice movie. It's a fun, nice movie. Uh, I, I did read as well that originally John Waters wanted Divine to play both Tracy and Insane. Edna. Insane. 
That's exhausting. Which would have been a very different Great. film. Very yes. different movie. That would have been um, a level. I would have loved to yes. see that, though. I would have loved to actually see that version. I think so, that would answer a lot of questions we had. But here's the thing. So Hairspray, as just a piece of IP, as a piece of intellectual property, mm-hmm. is probably most well-known for its musical adaptation. Um, and I would say, uh, obviously, like, it was adapted into a musical, which uh, mm-hmm. played on Broadway beginning in 2002. Um, it was a smash hit at the Tony Awards. Uh, just, mm-hmm. just one, one best musical, one best book, score, actor, actress, just a big, not yeah, pr- uh, close to a suite. It was huge. Um, it was huge. Um, ran for quite a while. Yes, like they made a 2007 film. There was a few years ago. There was ha- there was Hairspray Live. Yes. Directed by Kenny Leon. Directed by Kenny Leon with an adapted book by Harvey Firestein from the stage adaptation. But Mm -hmm. uh, we are focusing on the adaptation that is currently licensed licensed by MTI um, that you can get. Um, What I and I remember it was only last year that MTI was like, you have to cast this with the black characters as black. Like, technically, before last year, there were, like, loopholes where you didn't have to cast black actors in Wait, the black what? roles. Wait, what? Yeah, it's de- it was deranged. Deranged. Oh, so what did they cast them as? I don't want to go down this rabbit know. hole. I don't want to go down this. the Whoever was at the high school, I don't know. <laughs> I mean... You know? Uh, like what did they say the main issue for integration anti-integration was like what would they say it would be uh, it's like it's like when like high schools do rent and they replace aids with diabetes like i don't know <laughs> uh so so oh why must you remind um, me of that too i just I know. I, I, I so, have so, so many Chica, feelings. Chica, um. Chica, have you ever <laughs> have you ever seen a have you ever seen a stage production of Hairspray? The musical? No, I have not. Yeah, the musical. Gotcha. Well, I have how? Not. What? Can you talk to me? Just like, what is your like relationship with this show as just as a piece of musical theater? Well, I know we're not supposed to talk about it, but the way I came into it was through the movie. Um, I had, and okay. like, you know, like we said, I didn't know about the musical really when I was, it came out 2002, it closed 2009. I was in high school. I went to college. When did I go to college? Um, I went to high school mm. just as it closed. I finished high school just as it closed rather. Um, so I, gotcha. yeah, I had no sort of understanding of it until the movie came out. And then I think I listened to it for the first time a couple years ago, actually. Like, I listened to the cast recording right before the Hairspray Live came out. Um, And it's fun. It's fun. And, like, so I knew, and I never saw Hairspray Live because the live adaptations make me sad. Um, Sure, yes. It's also very hard to find. I I had a lot of, I wanted to, like, see if I could watch it before our record today. It's like, there are no collects of it. well, not even that, like, I had to, like, you have to, like, re- you could, like, rent it for $10 or $20 through, like, Voodoo or something. I don't know. One of those, like, fake streaming apps. Um, yeah, so it was, I was like, I want to see Ariana Grande as Penny Pinkleton. 
That does sound like a delight. <laughs> I would love to see Is that, that a crime? as well. Um, Brian, what I is your so history like... with Hairspray as a musical? The musical? I, I just remember, like I said before, um, 2006 or so when I started yeah. college. Um, just hearing some of the, hearing a lot of the songs and knowing they were from that show, Mm -hmm. uh, before I, I, I didn't see, um, a stage. I don't, I've never seen a stage version of it live, Yeah, Uh, but I've, and then just seeing the movie, but you know, being familiar with it. And like I say, watching the John Waters movie being like, I get it for sure. I saw, I saw broad, I saw it on Broadway with Bruce Valanche. As, uh, as, uh, as Edna. Edna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually, okay. I want to, there's so much to dig into with the musical um, mm-hmm. and sort of the choices it makes uh, and how it, how it sort of chooses to adapt this piece um, and also mm-hmm. just like production mm-hmm. stuff. Okay, so uh, the book of the show is by Mark O'Donnell and Thomas Meehan. Mm-hmm. Thomas Meehan is sort of, uh, the, the, late, the late Thomas Meehan is sort of a prolific musical theater writer. He wrote the book for Annie. Little Orphan Annie. Um, he and he, uh, he also uh, Mark O'Donnell and Thomas Meehan also wrote the book for Crybaby, uh, another John Waters uh, musical adaptation that, that we'll talk sense. about another time. He also was sort of like it seemed like he was almost like a, a script doctor. Like he would co-write a lot of scripts with other writers, and it seemed like he was like it seemed he seemed to be like the master of structure and the master of like providing other musical theater writers with a sense of like, well, here's how you do things. Cause like he, he co-wrote the producers with Mel Brooks and he also co-wrote young Frankenstein with Mel Brooks. He's the credited co-writer on the Charlie Chaplin musical Chaplin, the musical. Um, He's a co-writer on he, yep, He's a co-writer on elf and he's a co-writer on Rocky, the musical. Um, a lot of those we will be covering on this podcast. I know exactly. Um, so he seemed to be That's like, yeah, like so I said, almost this like industry of fixing yeah. adaptations. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the songwriters, uh, uh, Mark Shaman mm. and Scott Whitman. Mark Shaman is sort of again like this prolific composer, um, especially sort of famous mm-hmm. for his uh, film scores uh, for Rob Reiner's movies. I would say, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say in the world of musical theater, I would say this is probably his most well-known show. Um, mm-hmm. Him and uh, Scott Whitman also wrote uh, the Martin Short musical, Fame Becomes Me. If anyone knows about that. Mm-hmm. Is that just like a solo mm-hmm. show or is that a musical based on the life of Martin Short? Yeah, a little bit of, a little bit of column A, a little <laughs> bit of column B. <laughs> Okay, but like not nobody's like, like playing Martin Short. It's Ma- just Martin both? Short is playing Martin Short. Okay, cool, cool. That's what I was getting. Yeah. At. Like I couldn't it's, audition for the role it, of Martin Short. It's it's Martin Short I mean, doing a parody one. of a yeah, it's it's Martin Short doing a musical theater parody of a solo show. Um, okay, yeah, cool. Like that sort of the, sounds fun. The the like the bit of it is he's like, I had a pretty well adjusted life. What if I made up a tragic backstory for myself. Okay. And that was the, cool. it's, yeah. like, it's cute. And like, and the songs are very fun. It's, I mean, it's, and it's typical like Martin short, short mania. Uh, it's just very like the, there's a cast album for it. It's very silly. Um, they also wrote, uh, there was a new version of Charlie and the chocolate factory. Um, Oh God, he did that, that one too. Out, uh, 
the the not the hunter parish yeah so they yeah they shame shame no i was thinking of the one that was just at the london was in london that started that starts sutton foster's ex that's how i refer to him as oh no i can't not refer to him as that no his name's christian ball and you are okay you are thinking about of that yeah uh, Mark Scheinman and Scott Whitman also wrote uh, another show that we will cover on this podcast, uh, the musical theater adaptation of Catch Me If You Can, which I don't want to delve into right now, uh, but I will say uh, it is maybe the worst musical I've ever seen, and we'll talk about oh, that oh, another time. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about that another time! Um, Harvey Feierstein. Harvey Feierstein uh, plays Harvey Edna. Feierstein plays Edna. In this show. Um, cause obviously they were like, oh, okay. So, uh, Divine, uh, a, a man plays, uh, Edna in the film. So we want to honor mm-hmm. that tradition. But I mean, D- Divine isn't just like a man. Divine is a, is a drag persona. It's not just yeah. like, oh, a guy played this role. Um, it's, so I think that's sort of the the wire that kind of gets misconnected in this adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, and right I think, and not only, and I, and I say this as sort of like a great sort of example of what I think the musical uh, mistranslates uh, in, uh, yeah. in its adaptation. So for, yeah, so like not only is it just like, oh, well, it's going to be played by a man. So we're going to have it played by Harvey Feierstein, which again, Harvey Feierstein, like if like, I guess if you want to make that choice, probably a good option in the early 2000s outside of like an actual drag queen which would probably be better um probably like a fine choice um i know but early 2000s i was saying like early 2000s rupaul's drag race wasn't a thing so we had no i didn't have like the nor the normal audience for an audience for a broadway show would have no idea what a drag queen was or if they were cool or not and they are cool. Yeah, main, but, yeah mainstream so I, yeah, culture didn't really have that yet. Mainstream culture, mid, the Midwest had no had been reading hours quite yet. Unfortunately, they sound amazing. But it's sorry, you carry the on. Thing that I sort of have. Go ahead. Yeah, no, of course. The, the the thing I have an issue with is that the musical comments on the fact that it's a man playing Edna. I'd say the movie mm-hmm. again. They completely tra- play it straight that Divine is playing Edna. Um, but there are lines where like Edna's like, no, I'm not her father. Mm-hmm. There's a lyric in the big doll house where, uh, Edna's like, well, it's just us girls in the big doll house. So it's just like, okay, well, if you're going to comment on it, then you're, then you'll take, again, you're taking away. Cause there are, obviously there are levels of earnestness in Hairspray, the film, but they are just about the reality of mm-hmm. it all. Like the musical thinks that camp, right. the, the musical mistakes, meta commentaries for camp they think of you are they think that like poking fun of what you are is the same as honoring what you are in a silly way um so i think there's just a complete sort of misunderstanding of the john waters humor and sort of just like what that is that again i think is really to the Mm -hmm. to the show's detriment um i think also sort of the biggest for me the biggest uh, failure of this adaptation are the songs, which again, huh. uh, I, I, I yeah. his, again, and I, and I'm not saying that because I don't think the songs are good. I actually think, on the contrary, I think the songs are very good. I think they're very they fun, are just so catchy, good to just listen well, to. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, they're like on their own. I think they are good songs, but in a in a John Waters musical, I think they're terrible songs. That's a good observation. And I would say, yeah. especially from a lyrical perspective, I think yeah. the lyrics, mm-hmm. like there's just like a complete like, what is this? There's a, like, there's like earnestness. one. Earnestness. It's too earnest. Yeah, it's like, too earnest. It's too earnest. So like, go right Which, off the bat. Good morning, Bolt. No, I was just saying, well, it's so odd when I think about musicals because, yes, there's earnestness, but when I think, of, but they're also super campy earnestness. But at the same time, I don't think musicals can capture camp. Like, that, just like the, the forms don't exist together. Or like it takes a really smart person to translate camp into a musical. And most Broadway musicals, I say Broadway musicals um, because they're, for, they're specifically for profit. They're specifically supposed to read a, a super broad common denominator of people like they just can't do mm-hmm. camp and it's yeah. and i think this is a good example of like like what you were about to say good morning baltimore i'm like this doesn't i grew up i grew up with good morning baltimore as the un- understanding of that top of musical and then like to but then to watch the waters film i'm like mm, no this is not mm, what <laughs> Mm, absolutely choices yeah Chica, now you've got me just thinking about all these <laughs> other like camp musical properties that you're totally right they're mm-hmm. either they either are trying to be like too funny which is not mm-hmm. camp you know or they're being earnest like too, too yeah. treating it too earnestly yes. and completely missing the point honestly really... yeah and camp is hard yeah and camp is really hard. i mean like the met the last met ball <laughs> we had god bless us um but the, the thing was camp no one could do camp no one understood no. exactly except for like no. the black people the black people understood camp thank you billy porter but like yeah. no one under- yeah. can understand camp um and like it just takes a certain imagination that i don't think for-profit musicals have yeah. funny enough. i think you're abs- i think you're absolutely right chica i think there are sort of two examples of so I would say, like, the best example of a camp musical that I can think of, uh, is which is one we'll probably be covering very soon, uh, is Xanadu. I think Xanadu oh, handles yeah. camp God. very well as a stage and show. And it yeah. flopped. But that's what I'm saying. And it flopped. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, no one understood exactly what it was. Uh, and, then, and it but, wasn't great. <laughs> Let's go there, I, Well, mm, I, I like it, but I completely respect your uh, opinion. Uh, and then another example you is something so like... I said it wasn't I great, do, but it I, wasn't good. <laughs> I, and another show which we'll be talking about in a few episodes, uh, <laughs> Little Shop of Horrors, which I think could have gone camp, but, but ultimately lands on earnestness in a way that I think serves the piece really well. Works really well. Yes. But like Evil mm-hmm. Dead is the one that I thought of. And it's like sure. trying so hard to be campy that it's like yes. almost just grating at points. Uh, we'll but, do an episode of that. Oh, uh, you know the one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know the one I think of all the time. Yeah. The one I think of all the time is um, Debbie Does Dallas, the musical. That is the best example sure, I know yes. of, of like true camp. Oh. Chica, yeah. I'm really glad. I don't you know if you guys are doing it, but I, it's we, well. I I forgot it existed. Of course, we're doing it. Yes, <laughs> we're okay. gonna watch like, porn for work, everybody. <laughs> yes, it's fine. I forgot about Danny Dunn's Dallas the musical. Add it to the list right now. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Um, <laughs> but no, what are you doing? Podcast. So, but like, yeah, like from from Jump, Good Morning Baltimore is an earnest, fun opening number that has one 
one chorus that references the rats greet me on my way to the mm. like the rats nibble at my feet there's the flasher who lived next door there's like one section within the the song mm-hmm. that hints at uh at a potential like playfulness and campy nature yeah but as a as an entire entity it is just an earnest uh opening number yeah it so I'm, yeah. the entire show does tongue-in-cheek very well like it, it is very mm-hmm. tongue-in-cheek but they mistake it for like capturing the campy film district like the campy rock of the film and they just replaced it with like tongue-in-cheek like whole brenda's thing about like oh yes how long are you gonna be gone nine months um or that yes exactly yeah or that link song where he's he's essentially trying to he's auditioning to become a sugar baby good boy um <laughs> like that entire song the first time you listen to like it's the like the first time you listen to it, it's like oh sock hop music and then you like actually listen to the lyrics i'm like oh bet you uh, know, uh, it takes two no it's not it takes two maybe this is only for the movie Forgive me if this is only is for it the without movie. love. No, not without love. I bet you it's only for the Maybe movie. Maybe it is just it might just be in the movie then, yeah. Well then don't listen to me. But all the tongue in cheek <laughs> references. We'll always listen to you, Chica. What are you talking Never about? Never listen to me. <laughs> um, um, well it's so funny because have yes. you have you listened to if you if you wait like twenty seconds after you can't stop the beat, the final song on the mm-hmm. album. There's like a hit. It's back in the days when you could hide a bonus track oh, on a CD. Yes, I love those. Um, Miss those. So there's a hidden bonus track at the end of You Can't Stop the Beat. And it's still like, if you listen to the album on iTunes or whatever, mm. you can still hear it. It's a cut song called Blood on the Pavement. <laughs> and it's like all the kids singing, Blood on the Pavement. What a mess. Is that your eyeball on my dress? And it's like a song about like not drinking and driving on your way to prom. Oh. And I'm like, there it is. That's, that's the song. That's the spirit. That's the spirit Damn. that you're looking for, and you it's hidden at the end of the album. That's the show. Oh, oh my god, now I have to yeah. listen to that. I didn't catch that the first time. Or Yeah, it's again, it's like it's like the final like 30 seconds of You Can't Stop the Beat. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Um but yeah, so but then yeah, you have like these I would say like most of the songs, again, they're very well written, they're very fun, they're very great pastiche, uh late 50s, early 60s numbers with mm-hmm. like not a lot of lyrical wit to them for the most part. No. And again, when there is, it is so minute to barely make a dent. Mm-hmm. Common denominator. Um, and also just like what what do you say? Yeah, common de- yes, exactly. Oh. <laughs> um, but I mean, yeah, like it's a funny book. Like the script is funny. It's just a completely different tone to the it's like it is a it is a funny earnest uh silly musical theater book but it is not it is not camp it is not dark it is not sly it is it's it, i feel like it's just it's nothing in the spirit of its of its source which again is is fine it's just it is again like i guess it's successful in that they've made it its own thing they've mm-hmm. taken they've taken hairspray and translated it into something completely different which is i mean yeah if that's what you want to do mission accomplished i just i get like and i get like i don't want to judge it for the show that it isn't you know <laughs> i guess like yeah. that's that's not fair no and that's kind of what i struggled with too is that like 
like they had a dream team of writers and Jack O'Brien directed it. Jack O'Brien has pretty pretty much any big musical that you can think of. Jack O'Brien has touched it at some point, if not directed the Broadway show itself, like his discography for like filmography, stageography (laughs) is, um, is probably one of the best in modern musical history. Um, I think he's is if you will. Yes. I, I did, can't even pronounce I, it right being an asshole. I, I know. I can't. It's the gargle in the back. I can't get it. Um, so like it's a dream team musical and it reads and it reads and it sounds like a dream team musical and it's tight and it does all the things right. But John Waters did all the things wrong on purpose. So it doesn't. Sure. So it just like it's it's like it's good on its own, but like and I didn't know about the John Waters film for so long, so it's like almost feels like a betrayal. <laughs> like now that you hear the thing, I'm like, oh, I see what you've done. What have you done? Well, yeah, no, right. Um, right. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like it's like oh, I like the thing you did, but yeah, like knowing where it came from, it's like oh, but you could you could have done that. You could have done this yeah. to that, but you didn't. But you chose not to. And like, and, but the thing is like, if that musical existed, uh, it would never have gone to Broadway. Like it just, well, that's... And, and again, this, we'll, we'll talk about this more in our, in our uh, Crybaby episode, mm. which is a, a show that I feel the songs are very John Waters-esque. Mm. Um, the, the songs by the, the late great Adam Schlesinger and David oh. Yeverbaum. Uh, uh, Adam Schlesinger, very famous for his, uh, contributions to crazy ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. like the so the songs are very much in that spirit they're very they're very catchy and very campy in a way that i think matches a john waters product more than i think the shaman whitman's score here does mm-hmm. um and shaman whitman uh not getting the tone of their source material would carry through uh to catch me if you can you don't say that's <laughs> their thing my god has anyone the thing? Has anyone it told me it's their raison d'être? <laughs> no, uh, I mean, but yeah, I mean, like, yes, there are no, things I ahead. liked about the music. Yeah, no, I was just saying there are things I liked about the musical. I think it's odd, like the characters got deeper in the musical some characters got deeper in the musical like link yeah like link has words that he says <laughs> <laughs> didn't need him to have more to do I honestly out of all the characters they're gonna add stuff like don't give me more link. i mean I they had care. a young matthew morrison so i feel like he would have definitely walked out if sure. he was like this is all you want me to do i won't do it um so they're like here baby sure. have a scene have a scene or two have a have a moment where you regret your choices to not join the fight for integration feel sad for a hot second there's a song (laughs) i'm fine um but uh i'm not sure if you want me in this one because i'm just real snarky and i'm gonna get in trouble um (laughs) you know but i like that they give edna like i mean the other stuff that they do to edna that we've just discussed not a fan Mm -hmm. of at all of like Drawing attention to the fact that it's a man playing blah, woman, blah, 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 whatever. Don't care. But I do like that they give that little bit of, like, her being a shut-in mm. that's yeah. not really yeah. in the movie. I kind of like that because I, I, I know people like mm-hmm. that from, like, my childhood who would, you know, live in a very rural area and we just wouldn't go out into the world from either a uh, strong sense of agoraphobia or, more, more likely, and it's sort of in the musical, um, is more, like, just self- 
shame you yeah. know, and body issues is a lot of the reasons that she doesn't want to be seen by anybody. So she has that. I mean, and to be fair, it's like three lines of yeah. dialogue and the first half of one mm-hmm. song. But yeah. <laughs> at least it, it is a little something that yeah. I do. And, and her, like song, her song with Wilbur, You're Timeless, You're to, timeless me. to Me. Again, like, yes. so cute. So good. It's, it's a cute so song. Cute. Mm-hmm. And there aren't that many in in musical theater that I'm actually like, ah, oh, yes, I understand. Like, not Sunrise, Sunset. The one from Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> it's the only other one I can think uh, of, like the parents. Do you, do you love, love me? me? Do you love yeah, I'm just it's yeah. in that yes. kind of great. You know, song. yeah, the parents, back. yeah, parents in shows don't always get like romance songs in a way no. like they do in the show, and it's yeah, it's a very again. Your timeless to me is a sweet song. Without love, some of the lyrics go off in that satirical direction a little mm-hmm. bit, mm-hmm. like they're they're flirting with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I can hear the bells as well. Kind of has like a very silly tone to it. I don't get why you wouldn't do that song after the dodgeball scene where she's just been hit by a dodgeball and then in her like uh, concussion state sings this song. Uh, right. Like that makes yeah, the most dramaturgical sense. Change. Yeah. yeah. Like if I were to go back in time to 2002, I'd say put that. Don't do it just like when she's at the audition. Like. No, like, it doesn't make sense there. And um, then Jack O'Brien kicks yeah. you out of the room and says, please ignore my assistant. <laughs> no, I, I, do love that the line, I do love the line reading from the coach in the movie in that scene. All right, ladies, let's play dodgeball. Like, great line great. reading from that guy. This was also, uh, yeah, I believe, so I think it's like, the dodgeball uh, coach, mm-hmm. uh, Prudy Pingleton, the the matron at the prison, like they're all they're all played by one actor, and I believe in the original Broadway cast yeah. it was uh, Jackie, Jackie Hoffman, Hoffman. A, a literal legend, um, a goddess who would yes, um, just got a and she'll come up again in our Xanadu episode. Uh, a little you should, you should try to literal... make her come up in every episode. Just sneak her in. I would love to. She's. <laughs> Have you uh, have you listened to her like Joe's Pub album? Uh, yes, we'll talk about oh that. My later. God. We'll take that. We'll talk about that off off camera. <laughs> Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. A, Patreon exclusive. Chica and Ben delve into the Jackie Hoffman life at and Joe's we Pub live, album. We just live. We live screen us building a shrine in our collective place. We'll do that in May. We'll do that in May when I come there over. We we'll go. just live live screen a shrine to Jackie. Anyway, I'm sorry. Um, and then, yeah, and then, like, welcome to this again. Welcome to the '60s. There's a fun song. Um, again, there's this very fun pastiche songs. Again, but they're like retaining earnestness mm. rather than leaning into camp, which again probably serves the show better. I mean, again, that's it's why the show has had such long-standing has such a long-standing place mm-hmm. in musical theater history, just because it is just like a successful piece of musical comedy, even though it betrays the Waters film, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to talk about the black characters in this show. Oh, okay. I, Here we go. We're getting so into it. We... We're getting into it. <laughs> I mean, I will, I don't even know quite where to begin. I mean, it's, a, it, it had the same issues that I saw in the John Waters film of like, the John, like, to be honest, the John, like we talked about the John Waters film, it used in integration was a, was an aspect of the film rather than the center. And you know what, like all of my questions about that choice aside, I respect that choice, but with musical theater mm-hmm. comes this earnestness, um, the white yes. liberal earnestness, um, 
And I could, you know, like, and I, especially after seeing the Waters film and how they treated it, to go back and see the music or go see the musical again with my non, in, you know, non-Northern Indiana <laughs> lens in front of me, um, it was, it was, yeah, it was white liberal nonsense, um, <laughs> to be quite honest. Yeah, it's that it's that always sunny in Philadelphia meme of ignore that Frank. It's some liberal yep. bullshit. That's like that. <laughs> it's some liberal <laughs> bullshit. I mean, but again, yeah, no, I think I think the earn, the earn, so the earnestness serves the piece well in mm. a lot of areas, but I think in this in this area, it is it's kind of the show's downfall because you you can't have lines like ain't no black and white up in here the tension is a rainbow experience like that mm-hmm. line doesn't work in an earnest piece of entertainment but it also like that was actually one of the changes that i don't think made it better because i mean we can go into a lot about <laughs> critical race theory and representation but the change from the waters film of like outright saying that one we're in special ed and two, Tracy having that line to the principal of saying the only reason that the black kids are in special ed is because you want to hold them down versus detention where these black kids are just dancing all up in it. I was mm-hmm. like, so we just gonna make them worse? We make the situation worse and not comment on why those kids are in detention, not comment on really on like how they got sure. there and how they're just trying to make a good mm-hmm. situation better. We're just introducing them as the bad kids in detention and just like, that's just where they are. Okay, okay, I'm fine. Okay, again, betrayal. I'm dealing with betrayal right now. <laughs> Just a lot of betrayal. Um, betrayal and, you know, four years of that former guy. Um yeah. But, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, so just it just like there are aspects of the water swim that I think actually got flattened as 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 non-centered as they were in trying to center them or integrate them, funny enough, integrate them more into Tracy's storyline. Um it it, it 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 tried to fly, I could see it trying to fly and then falling through the candy and like a film and leaves. Um <laughs> And 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 I'm like and but at the same time I'm like well there's nothing you could really do except you know not do the story and do a different story entirely yeah just yeah just adapt something else adapt uh, something else <laughs> there are other films it is well, yeah, yeah it's like it's like, like let's let's adapt the John Waters movie into a musical and then halfway through they're like but what if we used it to solve racism what if we used it to you try know, and solve racism and it's like come, come on, on man, man. Like, I no. mean and yeah I guess a huge part of the John Waters film for me wasn't necessarily about the specific corny Collins show it was about like being outright and saying like these are certain spaces that black people weren't allowed in like they kept referencing that back Mm -hmm. and forth with like people had to get out of line even the even the fight itself Mm -hmm. the race riot quote unquote was um wasn't about the corny Collins show it was integrating the corny Collins show it was about the amusement park and so centering Public, public it was about integrating public spaces and so making the fight about this one relatively minute thing and having like marching yeah about it at the time i could recognize how that felt so important and i still cry it you know queen latifah i know where i you know like i still cry it's yeah. it's sad i know yeah. um i know yeah i want to i want to talk i want to talk about that yeah because i think again i know where i've been Mona mm-hmm. Mathme Bell's uh, it, her eleven o'clock number, if you will, in the second mm-hmm. act of the show. Um, great song, but again, it cements the the again like the seriousness that this topic 
probably should be taken with. But mm-hmm. again, the earnestness of this piece that, again, just negates any kind of silliness that might otherwise yeah. be uh that you might take like again like you have a song like i know where i've been and then you also have tracy saying the word afrotastic you also oh, have Jesus, penny singing the lyric yeah. you have penny singing the lyric but now i've tasted chocolate and i'm never going back it's like <laughs> those that. two cannot Live coexist every over two thousand performances that happened um, and that's on Broadway, not even the Seattle. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's but again, happening. No, and, and, and Chica, I think you're absolutely, I mean, it is, <laughs> it is peak liberal nonsense of this show to think like, oh, fixing this one issue at this one radio show is going to solve racism. When obviously, you know, there are systemic things that need to be dealt with. There is wage inequality that needs to be dealt or with. Even, there are yeah. so many larger issues than the Corny Collins show. Or even just the idea of, even just the idea that the John Waters sh- movie tried to have of like, oh no, public spaces need to be integrated. And like how yes. how John Waters talked about like different spaces that teenagers versus adults went into and black versus white and class, you know, like all of these different public spaces that the musical flattened into this is the one thing, which musicals have to do and plays kind of have to do like those many locations. Yeah. But if someone, if someone gave to me as a director said, here, go through all of Baltimore and I, I would probably, <laughs> I would probably backhand somebody. I don't know who. So everyone, watch out. <laughs> See, but this is a. I think that this is a storefront mindset. Because what if they were like, go through all of Baltimore. Here's thirty million dollars and the best designers in the world to make you do this. Oh, you're this, right. You're right. You know? Oh my God, I'm dreaming so small. <laughs> My mother would be so. Thank you for reminding me this. (laughs) Thank you for reminding me that it's only my mindset, not my imagination. But even still, um, (laughs) but even still hard. hard. But I mean, like it's you you know you bring that to mind, and I've seen the sets of the Broadway show, and they could, but it's still it's just it's a. I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, it's an all-star. It's, a, it's yeah. like one of those people was a good black writer. Like it would have yeah. made, yeah. made, yeah. made such a huge difference. And they were, they were thinking from a place of scarcity instead of a place of abundance. That is I, don't even, I just think it was just a lack of imagination, quite honestly. Because again, it's a yeah. Broadway yeah. dream team. And like if someone presented me as a producer, someone presented me, this is the Broadway dream team that we had. But do you want a black writer from the early 2000s, which meant they wouldn't have any in their point. They wouldn't have any um, that they would know of. I'm not saying that's good. I'm saying that's quite bad. Um, cause the nineties, no, oh, no, it's very bad. <laughs> cause I'm like the nineties were a beautiful time. Um, yeah. but yeah, I could, I, I could, I could, I, I can understand given the time period, how this situation happened. I'm just pissed that it happened. <laughs> um, and it pissed that it keeps happening. Yeah. Ha ha. Let's talk about Tootsie later on. Um, <laughs> but that is, I think that is that, yeah, but and whatever. That, yeah, don't, not excited to talk about that show in our David Yazbek mini series that will inevitably you have be coming a whole up. Mini series on this, ma- I love it. Um, I'm sorry, yeah, every, every <laughs> single musical he's done is a film to stage adaptation. It is, it we really have to, is. We have to do a David Yazbek mini series, and then you just, it's gonna stop. It's going to start off, it's, it has a, a beautiful, it's like a great sandwich. It's got like a beautiful middle, but the beginning and the end are just kind of torturous. Um, we'll, what sandwiches but that's are for you another eating, time. sir? 
I'm worried. Sandwiches where one piece where one piece of bread is the full Monty and the other piece of bread is Tootsie. That's not a great sandwich. Sir, I'm so worried. And when I come over there, I'm going to be checking your fridge all of the time. Just be like, what's your bread like? <laughs> oh, honey, no. So, yeah, I don't. I don't know what else there. I feel like we've like them- this is maybe one of the more thematically dense episodes we've done mm-hmm. um because there's just so much here. There's so much. Here. Um I I would love so you know how they're doing like that thoroughly modern Millie rewrite? Um, yes. <laughs> so oh my it's uh so Lauren Yi mm-hmm. uh what maybe one of the best uh, yeah. playwrights working today Lauren Yi uh, it right, she's rewriting. Yes. thoroughly, thoroughly modern. Well, she yes. she was supposed really? to. I, it was supposed to premiere at like City Encores. Cor- someone correct me if I'm wrong, but like I'm no, you're sure absolutely it, right. It was supposed yeah. to happen at City Encores before the shutdown, so last year. Yes. Um, and I and Ashley Park was going to be Ashley in it, Park yeah. was going to be playing Millie, which is a huge thing because, like, as many people know, fairly modern Millie was originally played. Well, first played by Julie Andrews in the movie, and then played mm-hmm. by Sutton Foster in the musical. We, we do her. love her. We do love, we love both of them. But it, like the huge yeah. subplot was that they were going to be kidnapped by Chinese immigrant body snatcher people. Um, yep. I was, uh, I was, what's his Trevor Graydon? Yeah. The boss? I played that in college. Uh-huh. White slavery. I, I can't put that. those things together. Quite honestly. I need to see pictures, but I have but, short hair. I wasn't, uh, as yeah. I still need to, but yeah, no. So like, but like, so like, obviously, like, I I would love for us as a as a culture to not be so freaking precious with these pieces of musical theater, and mm-hmm. yeah, like hire a black writer to rewrite this show, um, and it's and not and not just a black like hire a black writer who loves John Waters to rewrite yes. this show. Yeah, like well, I would love a, I would love. I would love a black playwright who has a fantastic handle on camp and has a fantastic handle on what the show wants to be. I'd mm-hmm. love them to do a, a great big old book rewrite, maybe even a lyric rewrite of this uh, show. Um, I mean, yep. yes, and... I, yes, yeah, give us, give, yeah, love okay, it, go for so it. I, I can completely agree with you. I just, like, I don't need the story. Um, like, just in sure. general. Or just and, don't like, do it, yes, or that's Or just fair. don't do it, and, like, write... Do something else. Time. I mean, like, that's the thing. And I say this as a fat black woman is, with a crazy imagination of my own and like a weird, I, I like, I don't, you know, a weird sense of, rea- not a weird sense of reality because that's a whole other thing. But, you know, like I have a very vivid <laughs> imagination, I would like to say. Um, so a part of me is like, why didn't you just write, a, I would love like Bubbly Black Girl, the musical, like Kristen Child or something. Like I would yes. love another... I want more of that. Of like, you can tell this entire story from the from the viewpoint of Little Inez. Like, that's what I'm yeah. interested. In. So you know, like, yeah. also every actor. No, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Or seaweed or someone. Mm-hmm. And like, I want yeah. that story. I want Little Inez's story. I want more of those versus like. No, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, I no, mm-hmm. I, great point. <laughs> Rather than rather than rewriting these flawed pieces from the past, thoroughly modern Millie, yeah, which like, is not even yeah. that old of a we, musical. It's old enough, yeah, I know. We need, yeah. Just let Lauren Yee write a new show. Yeah, it's true. I bet she's got oh, some she, ideas. No, yeah, Cam- crazy Cambodian ideas. rock band is like one of the best shows of the past, yeah. last five years. I yeah. think so. Um, um, and then and I'm like, I love, and I say this as someone who like loves 
most of fairly modern Millie. Um, like I say, yeah, I say that as someone who I, I love musicals. I do. I get just yeah. really annoyed by, I just get really annoyed with them um, for this reason of like, but what if we wrote it from this point of view? Do you have that? No, you don't have that imagination in you. Cool. 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 Um, yeah. Here's, and like, again, it's one of those things. It's like revisiting my childhood, quite honestly, this entire experience has been. So that's been, and it's been cool to see like, hey, this is how you've grown as a person coming to terms with her own identity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, if you love Hairspray, good on you. Mm -hmm. I would just, again, just, I just, I want to challenge people to like, think about what, what this show is based on. And what the show is trying to say, and how it maybe doesn't say it in a great way, and maybe, and again, yeah, rather than rather than my harebrained idea of rewriting this show, no, rewrite it. Let's take Sheikah's idea. We can do of both. just like yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess yes, and right, do yes, and I suppose. <laughs> yes. Do all yeah. of the above. rewrite. Hire, hire a black playwright with a uh, good camp sensibility to rewrite Hairspray and also just, like, give more money to black playwrights and composers to make their own shows. We can make another That's Hairspray. It. Yeah. Make another um, Hairspray make about another Little hairspray. White Seaweed. Um, um, speaking of making another musical. Yes. We're going to close the book on Hairspray. As we should. Okay. At as we should. Love it. Um, as always, Chica Ike, at the end of every episode of Movie the Musical, mm -hmm. we ask our guest a very important question. <laughs> Go for so, it. So, Chica Ike. Yes. If you could adapt any movie into a musical that has not already been adapted, which movie would you choose? Okay. I can't tell if this is cheating or not, so please tell me if it is. I... <laughs> Like the one that still stays on my list is Stardust, it, based off of the Neil Gaiman. Wow. Book. Oh, but I saw it I, first. Why a, would that be? Why would that well, be? Because cheap? it's a book. I know that it. You know, like sure. it's a book. But I loved the movie, and that's how I came to know Neil Gaiman. And I'm like, and just like thinking about musicals that force an expansion of imagination. I would love. Sure. You know, like, I almost said Duncan Sheik, but that's a musical from hell. <laughs> um, you know, I would love someone to do, like, a lovely rock opera version of, like, Stardust. Or something. I think, I'd be, I mean, if you're, if you're, you, if someone were to base it more, I mean, I don't know how different the film is from the, from the book. So if they were basing it mainly on the movie version, that still counts in the, I'm in the fake count. universe of this podcast's <laughs> question. In our, in our fake canon. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's, I, we just actually just rewatched that, like, I don't know, three, four months ago. And it is, it's, it's lovely. <laughs> Matthew Vaughn, he's a good director. He's good. He is a good director. And it's just, it's lovely and it's phantasmical and I want more fantasy. Other than that, there's always... Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer. There's your it, that's what I was thinking, actually, when I talked about it. It was like, oh, there's a lovely <laughs> through line with Michelle Pfeiffer. Other than that, hmm, well, there's always Dunkirk. No. Um, <laughs> no. No. No, I want to... I mean, no. a cheerful afternoon at the I theater. Love no, it. I want to see... I, I want to see Robert De Niro as Captain Shakespeare adapted to the musical theater stage. That is what I want. Yes. But it has to be specifically still Robert De Niro. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, we're getting him. We're getting him yes. on stage. Finally. Um, 
If not, then I would say um, this lovely Mira Nair movie called Mississippi Masala. Okay. It's uh, for those who were not introduced to young Denzel Washington. It's um, essentially boils down to an Indian girl and a black man fall in love. Indian woman and a black man. Wow. Ooh, language check. Um, Indian woman, black man fall in love. Um, uh, directed originally directed by Mira Nair. Um, mm-hmm. And like their families don't approve, the communities start to feud, and it puts more pressure on the couple's romance. Um, I think it'd be adorable, and it also just gives us an excuse to have Bollywood music on stage. Bollywood music mixed in with Southern music. And, like, can you not tell me that bit that would not produce some dope-ass bangers? Like, I want it. Yeah, if you got the right composer team, that could be truly... I will make my own. That would be very cool. Yeah. We're going to... I don't know what the dream team for that project would be quite yet, but I know that that dream team would be fire. You a know Bollywood that, composer, be, like, just bring well, one from... It would probably India. be, like, what they did for, um, not take it on, leave it on. What's the cheerleading one? Bring, bring it, it on. on. Wow, I just went through all of... <laughs> leave it, it on. on, leave it but on, But it would be, like, please. Tom... You know how they Put, it like, Put it out. Put it out. I know that you guys are going to talk about that one. But um, what they did for it was, like, they had, like, one person did this team, the other person did this team's music. Yeah, it was, was Lin-Manuel Lin Miranda and Tom Kitt, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I imagine, I know, I imagine that, I would imagine that they would do something very similar. It would be, like, here's one composer who specializes in, in, like, the, you know, Black South. Here's one that specializes in Bollywood music. And then, like, yeah. we'll put the teams together and, like, see what happens when we compile it. Or like and fill and fill in the holes where they may be. Um, I think that's a great idea. I, I you know, they there's a musical of Monsoon Wedding. Another mirror name. I assisted film. on that. What? Oh, yeah, wow. yeah. All I was right. there at All when right. it came through. <laughs> All right, <laughs> Chica. Now we're getting to some insider oh, baseball. No, this is not going to. None of that should be recorded. I don't say. <laughs> I, I, there are. There are there are projects that you are lucky do not intersect with this podcast that I could have tried to pull some stuff if from you, you told, about. If you told me, like, <laughs> I can't, I can't talk about that. Yeah, um, we're not going to get into it. We'd not gonna get into it. I will. I'd be happy to talk with you as long as I knew that there was absolutely no way any of this could be recorded. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Good night. Off mic. Off mic. Um, um, but no, I think Mississippi Masala is a great. Uh, I mean, Mississippi Masala and Stardust. Both great answers. Um, ten years from now, you'll see them. Um, yes, <laughs> just like sneak them in on Broadway. <laughs> oh, yep. thank you. Directed um, by Chica Ike. Make it'll it be happen. great. I'll do them both at the same you time, like a Joe Manitello situation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just have all um, cots in both. <laughs> Chica, yes. Thank you so much for being here. Ben. It was such a treat. Um, is there anything? That you want to, this is, this is getting, this will be out around like late April. Mm. Is there anything that you want to plug? Oh, fuck me. I hope I'm sleeping by then. Um, <laughs> nothing off the top of my list. Oh, actually I do have one thing. I assisted on um, a show at the public, a radio show called Shadow Play by Erica Dickerson Dispenza, directed by Candace oh, Jones. Um, it is amazing. If anyone doesn't know Erica Dickerson Dispenza's work, one, they should try um she's she's amazing um but it's a play about her at at its core it's about a daughter and a mother um 
wrestling with ghosts and the future at the same time in the backdrop of Hurricane Katrina. Um, it's an audio play, so you can probably find it uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as the, find out more information on the public's website. But um, it's a dope-ass project, I have to say. It's really cool. Um, so if you want, if you have a spare hour and a half, I would definitely recommend listening to it. You got through us, yeah, so we'll, why not? We'll send some love that way, <laughs> throw some links in the description, what have you. Um, uh, everyone listening to this, mm-hmm. if you want to know about the future of directing for the stage, uh, follow Chica Ike. See what she's up to. She is great. Uh, we love her a lot. Oh, thanks, babe. <laughs> Throwing Thank love you. your way. I know you hate it. I know you hate it. I do hate it. I hate it because I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to, I'm clutching a bottle of gin and holding on for dear life. <laughs> um, well, I'm going to close. Nobody else knows what they're doing. I either. know. No, literally, no one knows that. If anyone says that they know what they're doing, uh, they are either lying oh, to, shit. they're lying to you or they're lying to themselves. I know. Um, but at the same time, I'm that's like, that's how yeah. we will. The gift of lying. <laughs> That's how we'll end the episode. We're gonna end it. We're gonna earn this thing. I wanna thank No more talking. <laughs> I wanna thank Bran Moorhead for producing and editing the show. I wanna thank each and every one of you for listening. I wanna thank Emily Harrington for our artwork. I wanna thank M. Modaf and Josh Stanley for our kick ass theme song. If you like the show, be sure to rate us, review us, subscribe for future episodes. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Movie the Musical. If you want to support the podcast and get some sweet bonus content, go to patreon.com slash musical and consider becoming a monthly member where we will not only give you love and adoration for supporting this podcast, but you will also have access to our bonus podcast, Movie the Musical the Movie, where we will likely talk about the 2007 feature film version of Hairspray. Um, a nightmare so episode. Shit. We're gonna uh, maybe we'll have you back to talk about that, Chica. You know you <laughs> want knows? me back. Um, you know you want I, me back. <laughs> you'll be back. Um, keep on singing. Blood on the pavement. What a mess. Is that your eyeball on? Okay. <laughs>